audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information about our church, for more sermon audio, or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, church, I'm so glad that you're with us. Um, I'm glad you're dry, most of you. Uh, I had I had uh, some fears this morning. It was getting bad, but I'm glad that it kind of calmed down a little bit, and I think our vehicles are going to be just fine, so that's good. And we were laughing because we're in a school that is roughly, I think, 98% cinder block. You're in a good place. Good place, all right? Um, church, I am I'm so glad you're here. Um, I am so hopeful as we look to the future. I want to invite you to something. So next week um, is a special week for us at Stone Oak Bible Church, and I want to invite you to be a part of it. We're going to be, uh, we're calling it Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. So here's what we're going to do next week. We are going to, um, first of all, look back. And just say, God, you have been good. You have been so faithful. Thank you. Look back and just gratitude. Uh, But second, what we're going to do is look forward. We celebrate two years as a church next weekend. Yeah, that deserves, I don't know if that was an Aggie whoop or or what. (laughs) I'll take it. Um, Some of my Aggies are, yeah. Um, But two years. We're celebrating two years, and we look back on what God has done over the last two years, and I am just overwhelmed. Uh, But what I want to do on this Sunday is look forward, and and we're going to ask, we're going to look at at what's ahead. Where is God taking us? What is our focus going to be in 2017 as a church? That's what we're going to look at next week. So next week, what we're going to do is take a brief break, push the pause button just to just for a short amount of time on 1 Corinthians. And we're gonna, uh, we're gonna look at what's ahead for us as a church. So I wanna invite you to be a, part of, put, be a part of that. But this week, oh church, what a text we have this week. I wanna invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. We're, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest, we're probably just gonna be in one verse uh, this morning. The first verse of 1 Corinthians 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can find your place with me there. And as you are getting there, I want to get us caught up to where we are in this this moment in our text. So Paul is addressing divisions that had come up in this church, in this young church. He's addressing them. He's calling them out. Um, Many of, of these young believers were beginning to divide against themselves. The divisions for, were for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons, as foolish as this sounds, was they were dividing on over which leader they were following. So we see all, through it, all throughout, we have some saying, I'm following Paul. He was the original church planter of this church. I'm following him. Some were saying, no, 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 no. I follow Apollos. He's the current leader. He's a leader in the church. Some were saying, you guys are both wrong. I follow Peter, Peter, the original uh, disciple here. I'm following him. And so what was happening is in this church, factions were beginning to form. Tribes were beginning to form. Divisions were beginning to form over which leader they were following. Here's the sad thing, church, as we've talked about. Christ came 
and died for the church so that it would be unified under him. He came and he gave himself so that these petty divisions didn't need to, to, um, to happen, to exist. He came to destroy, to destroy the factions. He came to put down racism that was in the church. He came to unify, in the midst of the diversity, he came to unify the church under him. This is why Paul asks in, in 1 Corinthians 1.13, is Christ divided? Of course, the answer here is no, but here's the sad thing. The church was. The church was. So what does Paul do? Well, in, in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, now who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Peter? Are we not just servants? Last week, verse 22, we looked at, he, uh, Paul says, you don't belong to Paul. You don't belong to Apollos. You don't belong to Peter. No, church, you belong to Christ who purchased you completely and fully. You belong to him. You are his. And so because of this, Paul turns the, their division on its head said, I know you've been saying, you know, I belong to Paul and Apollos. And he's, no, 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 no. We're going to turn that on your head because you, don't, you belong to Christ and Christ alone. And Paul, Apollos, and Peter, they're given to you. They are yours. They are yours. Not as a tool of division, not as a way for you to boast. No, no, no. No. They are given to you to strengthen you in your faith. Now, that sets the stage for what Paul's gonna do in chapter four. Listen to this. Like I said, we're probably not gonna get much further than verse one. Uh, listen to what he says. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. There's a lot here. But Paul says, listen, this is how you should regard us. This is how you should think about us. This is how you should regard your leaders. Paul says, this is how you should think of me. The way you should think about Peter. The way you should think about my man, Apollos. This is the way you should think about it. You should regard us as servants and stewards. Servants and stewards. So I wanna look at uh, together at these. Uh, let's start with what Paul says. He says, you should regard us as servants of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Servants of Christ. This terminology would have been familiar to this church. As they heard these words from Paul, they used this language often, but it's this idea of being subordinate, having a master in our context, having a boss, right? Right? That was the idea here. Um, here's, here's the reality. Servants don't call the shots, right? Servants don't call the shots. A servant is there to help, to assist, to serve, to um, come behind the master on the master's mission, on the master's endeavor. A servant is called to come behind and support that. So the imagery here is Paul saying, I am, we are servants of the master. We are helpers and assistants of Christ on his mission. And if you think about it, that's a beautiful thing. Um, Jesus came, I could say a lot about why Jesus came, but here's a few, to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus came to point people to the Father. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me and anointed me to what? To, to proclaim good news to the poor, to um, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Church, that's Christ's mission. That's Christ's mission. And Paul says, I'm an assistant to that. I'm an assistant to that. I'm a servant to that. This is what I am about. This is what God has called me to. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, I, I wanna show you something. I, I'm gonna warn you, I have been geeking out over this text, so forgive me if I am just spewing, all right? But I want you to go with me to the book of Acts 26. Hold your place in, in chapter four. Go with me to Acts chapter 26. Here is what is happening. Our man Paul, oh, I love this church. Our man Paul, right, is, is telling his testimony. He is telling us how he came to faith in, in Jesus Christ, how he came to know him. And, and it's the same Paul, remember, who wrote our text, 1 Corinthians chapter four. So Paul was on the road to Damascus. And Jesus comes and just flattens the man out right? Even blinds him. How's that for a conversion experience, right? Just comes and wrecks Paul, and, and here's what he says. Verse 15. Listen to this. And I said, who are you, Lord? Paul who are you? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. In other words, I know I knocked you down. Get up, all right? Get up. For I have a, appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant. Okay, let's pause. We're coming back to this, all right? But let's pause here. Same word, same idea here. You have come to call me, to appoint me as a servant. Meaning, when Paul tells the church in Corinth, this is how you should think about us. This is how you should regard me. This is how you should regard us as servants of Christ. Church, that wasn't his idea. That wasn't his thought, that wasn't even his word. Church, Paul was just telling them who Jesus had already told him to be and called him to be. Paul was reminding, he was reminding them of who Paul really was because Paul had heard, I mean, literally audibly knock the man on his back, heard him say, I have, Jesus said, I have appointed you and called you for this purpose to be my servant. Paul is saying, church in Corinth, don't think about me any, anything less or anything more than that. I am his servant, his helper, his assistant for his mission. So let me pause just for a moment and let me ask you, do you know your calling? Do you know your calling? Do you know who you are called to be in Christ? See, church, Paul was so confident in who Jesus had, had called him to be that he was able to withstand two things, okay? Two things. First, there were many in this church who were trying to make Paul into something more than he was, 
You had, a, you had a number of people in this church who were pledging their allegiance to Paul. You had a number of people in this church that were making Paul their supreme leader, right? They were elevating him, and if we are honest, that kind of recognition is absolutely intoxicating. They were making Paul into something he, he, more than he was, and Paul could have run with it. Paul could have said, yeah, you know what? I did plant this church. I did, I did plant this church. He could have enjoyed as people elevated him. I mean, how awesome is that, right? He could have done that, but Paul was confident in his calling. Paul was confident in his identity in Christ, and he put an end to that. He knew, I was called to be a servant of Jesus Christ alongside of other servants of Christ. He knew he was not called to be the master. He knew this. He knew even though they tried to make him the master, he, he knew, I am not the master. I am a servant to the master. And he put an end to it quickly and confidently. He says, you belong to Christ. You do not belong to me. He is the master. I am a servant. He is the master. Paul was so quick. Here's what, here's what knowing who you are in Christ will do. It'll protect you from making too much of yourself or allowing others to make too much of yourself for you. It'll protect you from making too much of yourself or allowing others to make too much of you. Another way to say this is knowing who you are in Christ produces humility. It produces humility. We boast in the master. Our boast is the master. We know this. It's not about how awesome your servant-tude. It's not a word, I don't think, but it's not how awesome you are at being an awesome servant, all right? It's not about that. It's about the master. It's about the master. Paul says, make much of the master of Jesus, not of me, his servant. And so let me ask you, do you know who you are in Christ? And church, has that produced humility? Do you know who you are in Christ? And has that produced humility? Here's the other thing that, that knowing who you are will produce, all right, will give you the ability to withstand. There were many in this church who were trying to make Paul into something less that he was. There were many who were saying, you know what? I don't like, I like this leader. And they were discrediting Paul. Paul planted this church. Paul had toiled in this church. And to be honest, when you toil, you pour into people, and then they just turn around and discredit you, that can be deflating, right? That can be deflating uh, to experience. He planted this church. That right there would have been rough. But again, Paul was confident in his calling. Paul was confident in his identity in Christ. He knew who he was. So when Many in this church tried to discredit him. Paul didn't immediately run and try to build himself up and say things like, how dare you? I planted you. You wouldn't be here without me, right? You don't hear any of that language. He could have, right? But he knows who he is in Christ. And instead, what does he say? We're just servants. Christ is the master we are his servant. Regard me as a servant. So, so on this side, 
knowing who we are in Christ can protect us from making too much of ourselves or allowing others to do the work for us, right? On the other side, the flip side of that is also true. Knowing who we are in Christ protects us from making too little of ourselves or allowing others to make little of us. Knowing who we are in Christ not only produces humility, but it produces confidence that no matter what they say, no matter what, I know who I am. I am a servant of Christ. I know who I am called to be. So again, church, do you know who you are in Christ? And has that realization produced humility in you? And has that produced confidence in you? Paul was humbly confident. I am a servant of Christ. Are you a servant of Christ? There is so much joy in knowing what Paul says. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. And here's what this comes down to, church. Here's what um, being a servant of Christ is. Are you ready? Nope. A servant is not the master. A servant is, is subordinate or subject to the master. In other words, the master sets the perimeters of obedience. And the servant operates in there. The, the, the servant is then called to be faithful and, obedience, and obedient. Um, and because of this church, here's what this all boils down to. Here's what a servant of Jesus Christ is. A servant of Jesus Christ is chiefly and primarily concerned with one thing, pleasing the master. As a servant of Christ, the chief and driving passion is to please the master. I could read a lot of text here, but I want to read to you one of my favorites. Galatians 1.10 you don't have to turn with me here, but listen to this. For I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I wouldn't be a servant of Christ because the mark of a servant of Christ is the desire to please the master. If you're wondering, if you're a servant of Christ, are you driven by pleasing the master? Is the guiding question of your life, does this please the master? Do you see yourself existing for the purpose, preoccupied with the purpose of pleasing the master? Church, are you a servant of Christ? Because if we get this, if we give ourselves to this, if we understand this and we know who we are in Christ, Paul says, I'm not a servant of man. My confidence is not in man. My goal is not to please God. Instead, regard me as a servant. Regard me as a servant because this is my calling and my purpose. Going back to Acts 20, 26, this is my testimony. I know who I am. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. Now listen to the next part. As servants of Christ and stewards of of the mystery of God, stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul says, regard us as servants and stewards. A steward is a manager, an administrator. A, a steward is someone who manages the things of the owner. Right? It's not their stuff. They're managing it. They're stewarding it. Um, they're, they're managing the assets of the master. 
his real estate, his stuff, his resources, or in this case, the very mysteries of God. Paul says, we are managers, stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, fortunately, Paul has already told us what these mysteries are in this letter. Uh, In fact, most of chapter two is is driven by this. Um, If you look, Paul says, I came to you not in lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come to you trying to blow your mind with how much I know. I didn't, no, no. I came to you with a message in spirit and the power of God. Verse seven, Paul says, we impart to you a secret and hidden wisdom. One could say mysterious wisdom. And they, meaning the world, did not understand this because these things were revealed by God through his spirit. That God's spirit gives us the truth. That God's spirit gives us the ability to know wisdom, to know the mysteries of God. We know this through the spirit. And now Paul says, I am a steward of these mysteries. I'm a steward of the marvelous, the amazing, the beautiful gospel. I'm a steward of that and all of its implications. Paul says, Jesus opened my eyes to be able to see. He opened my eyes to be able to see. And now I exist for the purpose of sharing that message to others so that their eyes are opened and so that they can see. My eyes were opened to help others open theirs. I steward the mystery, the mysteries of God, meaning I proclaim it, I protect it, I live it, I steward it well. And before we move forward, I I want to think about something for a moment. When we think of stewardship, often when we think of stewardship, we think of of money, right? We think of money. We think of how we're giving, and and, um, there might be a good reason for that because our budget is often tied to our heart. Uh, There's probably a good reason for that. It's not a bad thing, but money is a byproduct, Church, money is a byproduct. You were called to steward the gospel and all that it implies. All the applications of that is your, you are called to steward the gospel. You are called to manage the gospel. That is your call. Let that sink in. You have been given the gospel message. You have been given the privilege to understand it. And you would be giving, given the task to steward it. Let that sink. You've been given the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to understand it. You've been changed. You've been transformed by it. You have been brought from death to life. You now know love. You now know grace. You now know mercy in a way that the world could not understand. This is yours. You know it. The gospel is yours, church. And it wasn't given to you to hoard. It wasn't given to you to just say, oh, thank you, and sit and enjoy it. It wasn't given to you to end with you. You have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And now you are a steward of that message. Paul says this well in 2 
Corinthians 5. You don't have to turn with me here, but listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Can we just say amen to that? We'll just pause. Come on. Amen? All right. Verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and what? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And listen, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Stewardship. You have been reconciled to reconcile. And then just because I love this verse, let's just read the last two verses. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Church, two things here. One, if you don't have a smile on your face right now, there's something wrong with you. That is amazing. And two, if you can't just come away with that text feeling this incredible sense of purpose and calling, I mean, think about what Paul has just laid out, that you have been saved so that you can be used by God to help others see the same glorious light that you saw. I mean, that is, do you grasp that? A better question is, does your life resemble that? Church, as a follower of Christ, the question is not and has never been, are you a steward? Because you are. The question is whether or not, whether you're a good one or a bad one, You are a steward. You have been given the gospel in all of its application and implications. You've been given that. You are a steward. The question is whether or not you're a good one. Are you a steward of the mysteries of God this morning? The mysteries of God. Um, God so loved the world that he sent his son to come and to die for you, to be arrested, to be be beaten, after he lived a perfect life, by the way, to be mocked and to be murdered, fulfilling the plan of God from the beginning of time for you, fulfilling every prophecy that had been spoken about him, He laid down his life, breathed his life, took took all of your sin on his shoulders. All of it on his shoulders. He even bore the very wrath of God so that you don't have to. He bore it, he took it, he died. Literally, he died. Three days in the in the tomb, died, but the grave could no longer hold him because he rose, he conquered death, sin, and the grave giving you victory. He 
took your guilt, your sin, your shame, your mess, your brokenness, and he gave you in exchange his perfection, his victory, his life abundantly and eternally. He gave that to you. And that fact, church, changes everything. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we organize our life. We love differently. We forgive differently. We spend our time and our money. We organize our lives differently, not in order that we can gain favor, but because we know we have favor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we know we have it. The mysteries of God that Paul is talking about here is that And as a follower of Jesus, we have that. We could stand up and say, amen, this is true. Church, you are stewards of that. You are stewards of that. How is that for a calling? How is that for a purpose? You are stewarding that mystery. And one thing I think we need to understand here, and this is really big, just as as a servant is not the master, well, a steward is not the owner. Um, this is big to understand. And this isn't a perfect example. I get that, but I think it's a good one, all right? I want you to think about the difference between owning a home and renting a home. So if you buy a home and you go into it and you're like, I don't like that wall, sledgehammer, boom. You can take it out. It is perfectly acceptable. You know what? We need some more space, addition. You know, we need to move that fence. Get it out. You can do that, and it is great. It is acceptable. It is fine. If you're a renter, don't do that. Don't walk in with a sledgehammer and think our kitchen needs to be bigger. Don't do it. It's not appropriate because the house isn't yours. You're not the owner. You are not supposed to add to it, you're not supposed to take away from it. You're supposed to live in it, right? That's the difference between owning and renting church in the same way. You're not an owner of the gospel message, meaning it is not, it's not for you to come in wielding your sledgehammer, making modifications. It's not for you to say, I don't like this part. Bam, Or you needed to say that, add on. It's not for you. You're not the owner. You're renting. (laughs) It's not for you to make changes, to add or to take away. Church, you're a steward of the message. The master has called you not to to modify or or, um, as if we knew better, right? Um, As if we knew better. But that's not your call. The master has called you to steward, to proclaim the gospel to a lost world, to protect the gospel from any and everyone who would seek to modify it, to live out the gospel, to love God and love others. That is our call. And as a steward, there will come a day when you will stand before the Lord and give an account You will give an account. It's like if you rented a house and you did decide to sledgehammer the wall. You might get away with it until it's time to give an account. Church, we will give an account. We know one day we'll stand before the Lord 
our eyes having, having been opened to the goodness of Jesus Christ, we will stand before him. And I want to be able to say, Lord, I stewarded your gospel well. I know I'm not perfect. I, I, I get that. But I want to be able to say, I stewarded the gospel well, if I'm able to say anything at all. I want to take as many opportunities as possible to proclaim it, to protect it, to, to live it. That's my charge. Church, that is your charge. Are you a steward of the mysteries of God? Are you a steward? For a moment, turn back with me, if you haven't changed, uh, back to Acts 26. Um, church, this literally, I told you, has blown my mind this week. Listen to this. Again, uh, who are you, Lord? And, and Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 16, but rise and stand up on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant. Let's continue. And witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, do you see what just happened here? Paul re recounts, remembers his testimony. He thinks back and he says, all I know is this. Jesus called me to be a servant and he called me to be a witness to these things, delivering this message so that eyes are opened, so that, that people are saved, going from dark to light, receiving forgiveness, sanctified by faith. In other words, a steward. Paul says, all I know is that Christ himself has called me to be a servant and a steward. A servant of Christ and a steward of his gospel so that the world may know, the world may be saved. On the road to Damascus, Jesus saved Paul and gave him a purpose, called him and said, I I've called you to be a servant and a steward. And then we fast forward, church, to 1 Corinthians 4 in our letter when Paul says, you know what, this is how you should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And why should you, uh, why should you regard me like this? Why should you think of me like this? Because this is how Christ regards me. This is my calling Paul is saying, I remember who I am. I remember who God called me to be. Don't make me anything more. Don't make me anything less. Regard me as a servant and a steward of Christ because this is who I am. So here's the question, church, is who are you? Who are you? Do you know who you are in Christ? As a follower of Christ, you are a servant, you are a steward. And here's what this means. You're not the master, you're not the owner. You're the servant to the master, you're the steward of the owner. That is your calling. And because of this, you have an incredible value and purpose. You have a, you're a helper to the master. Think about this. Think of how awesome this is to go from dead in your sins 
hostile to God, to go from that over here, hating everything, rebellion, hating everything about God and everything he has, to now you're a servant of the master? What grace is that? The question is, church, who are you? And at the heart of this question, this is probably um, a deeper question that I, that I want to give us this morning. At the heart of this question is this, who is your master? Who is your master? Is the master of your life Jesus Christ or is it someone or something else? Because here's the reality, someone is the master this morning. Someone is the master of your life. Is it you? Is it your, your money, your pleasure, your pride, your status, your ambitions, your, you can fill in the blank. Is it sin? Is it someone else? Is it someone else in your life that is your master or is it Jesus? Jesus said in Matthew, you cannot serve two masters. We are all serving a master, and the question is, who is it? Who is your master? If you cannot answer that this morning, if, you, if you're here and you can't answer, church, the call for you this morning is simple, to come to Jesus Christ, to come to him, to, to accept the forgiveness that God is offering to you through his son, to respond to the gospel, to respond, church. In a moment, we're gonna pray together and I want to encourage you to respond to the gospel. And for those of us in this room who, who would say, I am Christ, Christ is my master. For those of you here who would say, as imperfect as I am, he is my master and I am his servant and his steward. Let us run this race. Let us live our lives knowing that we are not our own knowing that we have been bought with a price, that knowing that we are his. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. I know we're gonna get here later, but cat out of the bag. I love this text. Listen to this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So what? So, so glorify God in your body. Let us know, like Paul, let us know we are not the master, we are not the owner, we are servants and stewards, and let us live our lives through Jesus Christ, knowing, through Jesus Christ, knowing that one day we will hear the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 20, 25 when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Church, let's, let's pray. As we bow to pray, I just want to encourage you to take an inventory of your life. And as we pray, I just encourage you to, to just pray, Lord, would you show me ways that I can serve you better? Would you show me ways that I could steward your gospel better? I believe God wants to use us, and I believe that God still hears us when we call to him and I want to encourage you, church, right where you are. Don't just listen to me pray. I want you to, right where you are, take an inventory of your life and pray. Let's pray and let's ask him. Church, let's pray together. God, thank you 
we belong to you. You have purchased us with great price. We are not our own. We are yours. We have been purchased out of the bondage of sin and slavery, and we have been made new, transformed through your son. God, you have given us the ability to see the goodness of your son and the goodness of your gospel. You have given us eyes to see, Lord. For those of us in this room who are here and, and who are coming before you right now and asking, Lord, would you show me how I can serve you better, how I can steward what you've given me better? Would you just come and would you show them? Would you guide them? Would you put something in their heart and on their mind? And God, would you give them the boldness and the courage to walk in it? Lord, we have nothing to fear because nothing can separate us from your love. You have called us. You have set us apart. And God, would you just show us how you want to use us? And God, for those of us in this room who are here and, and hearing this message about what your son has accomplished on their behalf, that Lord, your spirit is moving in their heart. For everyone in this room who is being moved, maybe for the first time, I just pray that we respond to the gospel. That we respond. That we simply come and we say, thank you. I am unworthy, but thank you for what you have done. God, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. And I thank you that every sin was placed not on my shoulders because I cannot bear it. But I thank you that you sent your son who lived the life I could never live, died the death that I deserved and shouldered it all, paid it all in full so that now I stand here, we stand here through Jesus Christ as your sons and your daughters. Help that to just every one of us in this room to just wreck us and cause us to turn our eyes up and to, and to acknowledge you and to thank you because you are good. God, we give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.